How you guys doing? Good, all right. Well, hey, here's a question we're gonna wrestle with this morning. What is worth worrying about? What is worth worrying about? Now, those of us who get to preach, we usually start writing our sermons well in advance. We're not Saturday night crunching at midnight. We're, we're trying to be prepared for you. And so Tuesday, I sat down and I started writing and, and this, I'm answering this question. What's worth worrying about? And I thought, you know where I should go? The news. They'll probably give me lots to worry about. So I thought I'd share Tuesday's headlines with you. You ready? So I'm, I'm working on this sermon and here's what we've got. Russian Black Sea Fleet commander seen at meeting after Ukraine said it. So there's a war in Ukraine that doesn't seem to be ending. Fantastic. Can you, could you get car hacked? I've never heard that phrase before. I've heard of car jacked. I've not heard of car hacked. Now I've got a whole new fear that I didn't have before I read that. Biden sues uh, Giuliani, government shutdown, fantastic. DC's as messed up today as it was the day before and getting worse, right? So plenty to worry about there. How about the, the local level? Surely things are a little better locally. Check out this story. A swarm of insects, likely wasps, kills a grandfather as he sat on porch in Kentucky. Wow. And then more political junk. Looks like Frankfurt is as messed up as DC, right? If you wanna know what there is to worry about, just check the news. And they'll give you plenty to worry about. So apparently I need to be worried about being killed by a swarm of bees while I sit on the porch as the government shuts down while I'm calling 911 because my car's been jacked or hacked, right? If you smash the news stories together in a day, that's where you end up. You end up in this turmoil because it feels like the world so often is caving in on us. You feel that way sometimes? I don't know about you, but I don't like notifications on my phone. I only have notifications set up for text messages. That's it. Because do I need to know every single news story from around the world instantly? For most of human history, you only knew about what was happening within a few miles of wherever you were. And whatever bad thing happened, it might take days, weeks, months to reach you. Now we have the ability to know what's happening all around the world instantly. Do you think maybe there's a correlation between our rates of anxiety and the amount of news we consume? There's so much, it would appear, to be worried about. And so today we're going to look at the question, what is worth worrying about? If you are new with us, we've been using this resource, Quest 52, as a supplemental resource to help us grow deeper with Christ. It's not a substitute for the Bible, just a supplemental resource that asks great questions And so every week we gather and we go through a question. So if you're new and you don't have one of these, stop at the Next Steps area and grab a copy and just pick up where we are. Pick up on the worry chapter. Don't worry about catching up. It's it's not worth worrying about. See what I did there. Uh, And just find the chapter on worry and pick up there, okay? And if you're with us regularly and you're maybe back here, but we're actually over here, don't worry. Just pick up the book, start on the chapter that has to do with worry and catch up with us and start there, okay? So we're using this, and the question the author asked today is, what is worth worrying about? And so to talk through that question, we're gonna look at Jesus's teaching on the concept of worry. There's a section of scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount. If you're familiar with the Bible, that's in Matthew chapter five, six, seven, in that. So if you wanna take your Bible out, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter six today. If you wanna go ahead and get there, if not, it'll be on the screen But in this teaching, Jesus kind of takes an extended period of time. He talks through some concepts that are relevant to his listeners and relevant for us today. And one of the the topics that he addresses is worry. 
And so if we want to know what's worth, what's worth worrying about, let's go back to the real source, not the news. Let's go to the Bible and let's see what Jesus has to say about this topic. So we're going to start chapter 6, verse 25, and the text is here on the screen if you need it. So this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father already knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus has gathered some people, they're listening to him, and he says, Hey, don't worry about food and water and clothing. But he doesn't talk about the swarm of bees, the war overseas, uh, the car hacking. What about the big ones, Jesus? Like you're talking about food and water and clothing. For most of us, that's not something we worry about. We have those things pretty much readily available at all times for us. Now, if we were in a different country, maybe a third world country, this might land a little differently for those people. But for us, we read that and we're like, I don't struggle with worry about food and water and shelter clothing. We don't, we don't struggle with those things, do we? Except when we do. Looks a little different in our context. It's the mom who is panicking at the kid's birthday party because the, the birthday cake isn't positioned just right for the picture that's got to be taken to post on the social media so that everybody believes she's a good mom and able to host. Feel me? Any moms been there? You're like, oh my gosh. And I can't believe I emailed out or I sent out the invitations that were highly personalized a week past when I thought I was going to send them you see, we stress and we worry. We panic about food. We may, we may not panic about our clothes except for when we put three different shirts on and we turn sideways in the mirror, making sure that I'm not as fat as I actually am so that people will give me the respect and the, the respect that I think I need and, and value in life. See, we don't struggle with food or water or clothes except when we do. Anybody relate to that? No, just me then. Okay. So we all struggle with things and, and Jesus picks some very basic things to illustrate. He's like, why do you worry about food and water and shelter? I've provided all those things for you. Jesus looks at the listeners that he's talking to and by extension, he's looking at us and he says, listen, if you can learn, if you can learn to, to trust me with the basics, you can trust me with everything. See, food, water, and shelter is the three things that are required for survival. So if you learn to lean on me for your very survival, then you will trust me with everything in your life. He says, your Gucci is garbage. 
compare it to the flowers of the field. Your food, it will rot. You'll try to store it up. You might be a doomsday prepper, but everything has an expiration date. At some point, water will dry up, but he lasts forever. And so he says, focus on me and I will provide for your needs. He says, look at the, the evidence around you. He uses birds and flowers. I don't know how many of you stop and watch flowers grow or look at birds fly. But have you noticed they don't seem to really struggle? I don't see a bird fighting to fly unless it's injured. It glides. Right? A bird glides through the wind that it's provided. The flower grows in the sunlight that it is exposed to. They don't, they don't stress over those things. Right, he says, be like the birds or the flowers who exist in my creation and are loved deeply. Can you imagine if we lived internally with the freedom that a bird has to just glide through life? Or like a flower who, who grows and just lives in the beauty of its creation. Uh, I doubt flowers have conversations. Don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't think they look and one's like, I'm just a poor dandelion and you're a beautiful rose. How, how inferior am I? No, they grow and they exude the beauty that they are given. Can you imagine if we lived in that freedom regularly, like the birds and the flowers? It sort of reminds me of a Bob Marley song, if you're familiar, you know, don't worry, be happy. Every little thing is going to be all right. And he talks about the bird chirping and there's some scripture woven in there. I think maybe if I were going to kind of internalize what Jesus is saying. Here's how I might put it in sort of my words. I think he's saying, don't assume control with your worry. Surrender your needs to me. Don't, don't, don't assume control with your worry. Surrender the needs to him. If you struggle with anxiety or panic, you know how often that is associated with, with the desire to control something. When we feel like something is out of control, we tend to panic or feel anxious. And he says, don't, don't let that happen to you. Live in the freedom that I've created for you to live in. Don't assume control with your worry. No, surrender to me. The birds don't try to control the wind. They glide through what's in front of them. And flowers don't try to control the sunlight. They live in the light they're blessed to receive. Paul later kind of circles back to Jesus' teaching. He's writing to an early church that he helped plant in the city of Philippi. And this is probably the most well-known verse when it comes to anxiety and worry. And Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is probably the most well-known verse when it comes to anxiety. And by the way, I think some of us read this as if we're being yelled at. Do not, like it's a command, right? Whereas I think Paul's more coaching and teaching, right? Do not be anxious for anything. He's not yelling at you, he's coaching you. He's training us up on how to live without worry as Jesus originally instructed. So here's the basic answer. What is worth worrying about? Jesus would say, nothing. And you're like, thank you, that's not helpful. How do I be less anxious? Just be less anxious, right? He says, don't worry, worry about nothing. But I actually like, let's separate those two words. What's worth worrying about? No thing is worth worrying about. 
You see, food and water, shelter, clothing, your job, your possessions, your home, all those things are things that have expiration dates on them. And when we stress over the things that will eventually be gone, we give in to anxiety and panic. And so not to be worrying about no thing. Now, let me be clear. I don't think Jesus is saying, you know what? You should just throw your hands up, go join a nudist colony and hope that everything gets blessed. Right? I don't think that's what he's saying. That has been an interpretation throughout history that you should just be like the flower and you know, just exist and God will take care of everything. No, we're called to work. We're built to work. So get up and go to work and be productive. But he said the stress and the anxiety that goes along with that, if you let that control you, that's the problem. Right? It doesn't mean just give up and, and just God will take care of everything. And we do our part and we trust that he will do his. What's worth worrying about? It's a, it's a great question for us to wrestle through. And, and Jesus says, no thing is worth worrying about. And, and I say these things to you, not as someone who's like saying them at you. I have been someone who has struggled with anxiety and panic attacks in my life for over the last 10, 15 years. So I understand where you might be if you are struggling with feelings of anxiety and panic and depression. I, I, I can sense that. I, I understand what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be stuck on the bathroom floor and feel like the world's caving in and your heart's beating out of your chest and like you can't leave your house for fear of what could possibly happen. But I wonder if we really step back, how many of those episodes are triggered by things that we cannot control? So much of what causes us to be anxious is driven by the things that we cannot control. And we increase our anxiety when we try to control them. So I just want to take a moment and pray for those of you who may struggle with that. Just just kind of pray a prayer over you. So pray with me. God, we know that you have created all things and you are in control of all things. So forgive us when we try to try to take over your your job. When we try to to take over the situations in our lives. So for anyone listening that struggles with anxiety and panic, God, may you begin to do a new work in them. May you begin to transform their mind and their heart to be more like the bird and more like the flower. It doesn't try to control what they can't control, but lives in the freedom and and the control that you have. So be with us, Lord, those of us who struggle with that. May we move closer and closer to you each day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. But I have to be honest with you. I, I struggle with this teaching on not worrying. Because when you study scripture... You want to consider the whole counsel of scripture, not just what one verse in isolation says, but what does the entirety of of the verses on this subject have in common? And there's a story in Jesus's life that I, I personally have a hard time reconciling with his instruction not to worry. And so actually, I want to invite you into that struggle this morning a little bit and talk through a situation in Jesus's life where I feel like he's worrying, but yet he's told us previously not to worry. And it involves kind of the last days of Jesus's life. If you're new to the faith, Jesus lived about 33 years and the last three years of his life was his ministry. So the, the, the gospel, the New Testament written about the three years of Jesus's ministry. 
where he went around and he healed and he, and he taught people. And the night that he was going to be betrayed by one of his close friends, he takes some of his friends to a garden and there they decide to pray. And there's something that happens in this moment that, that I sense tension with, with do not worry and what Jesus is experiencing in this garden. I'm gonna take you there in Luke chapter 22. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw away from them. I've always wondered who threw the stone because depending on who threw it, Jesus could have been really close or really, you know, really far away. Who was actually throwing the stone? It has nothing to do with the story. So he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed earnestly. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I don't know about you, but when I read that, that feels like anxiety. That feels like panic. He is in such duress, such pain that he is sweating blood. Now, Luke, by the way, is a medical doctor. It's interesting that he records this piece of this story. There's actually a medical condition where you, can, you are in such emotional distress that you will sweat blood. And it makes your skin really, really sensitive. So when he was flogged in the days to follow, it would have been so much more severe than just previously. But he's under such duress that he is sweating blood. So I ask, which is it, Jesus? Don't worry or sweat bullets. Because it feels like both are happening. Don't worry about anything. Yet he's so consumed in this moment that he's sweating blood. And so how do we reconcile these two things? We have a teaching on don't worry, and then we have a moment in the garden where it looks like he is consumed by worry. Would you agree that words matter? Like what we say matters. You heard the phrase, sticks and stones, I break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever said that was deaf. Because words do matter. They can, they can say a lot. And I want to introduce you to two words this morning that will help us see the connection between these events. When Jesus says, do not worry, he uses this word, meramnao, meramnao. And I don't know if I'm actually pronouncing that right or not. You can pronounce it however you want in your head. This is the original word that Matthew uses when he, when he talks about Jesus teaching on do not worry. And this word would be what we would most closely associate with panic and anxiety. That, that feeling of dread, the feeling of depersonalization, the feeling of uh, you know, death almost, like the world caving in, that is meramnao. In fact, some of the writers in this time period would use this word to describe being cut open or split apart. And I thought, isn't that a great illustration of what panic does to us? cuts you apart. It splits you open. It puts your feet and your mind in two different places. Well, no wonder we're anxious. We're not in the moment. We're somewhere in the past or we're in the future. And so Merimnado is, is this idea that we are being split open when we are panicked or living with like this generalized anxiety. And Jesus says, that's no way to live. That's no way to live. You can't add to your life by living that way. How many of you feel like you're going to live longer if you worry more? 
N- nobody, you never heard you know, anybody say, hey, you know what? I think if I wanna live a long life, I should worry more. No, we know that worrying takes life from us physically, but also mentally and emotionally. And so Jesus says, don't, don't live life like that. I, I own a kingdom and you're invited into it. Live in that freedom. Right, don't, don't allow yourself to be controlled by the things of this world. We have a, a dog, it's about a year old, and we have one of the in-ground collars with the, uh, in-ground fences with the collar on it. Some of you are like, you're just so cruel. How could you do that to a dog? They, you know, they don't get shocked every time they go near the line. They're actually trained to a beeping noise that alerts them if they get too much farther, then they get a shock. But if we took the collar off the dog today, it would be weeks and weeks before she knew she could cross the line. She is so trained that she will sit and not go near the edge because she's so trained to think a certain way. I wonder how many of us like adults are like that dog. We have become so conditioned to the way that we think that the barrier's not even there anymore, but we live as if it is. And so we're like the dog who sits and is afraid to cross the line, but there's no collar on. That's what living a life with anxiety is like. I've had some counseling on this topic before, personal, and uh, my counselor said, what we have to do is learn to retrain your brain. And she said, basically, your thinking patterns, imagine them like interstate systems. And you've spent a lifetime building interstates. Anybody in here a hothead? You experience something and bam, instantly, you are hot. Why? Because you've spent a lifetime building the highway of anger. Anybody experience something and bam, immediately a panic attack sets in. Why? Because I've spent a lifetime building a highway of thinking about certain things, right? And so Jesus says, don't, don't live like that. Let's build new highways. There's other part of scripture in Romans that talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we've got these massive interstates that we've built in our mind. And one of those for a lot of us is just the, the idea of emotion and panic and anxiety. That's marinado, this constant state of anxiety. So might I encourage you today, don't let the things of this world distract you or cut you open or split you apart from Christ. There's no, there's no fruit that'll grow in that area. And it's a struggle. I'm not saying it's not. But let's fight not to let the things of this world cut us open or split us apart in our relationship and our following of Jesus. Some of us, I think, feel like window shoppers in heaven. We're kind of peering in and we're hoping one day we get in. But the reality is you've already been invited in. Jesus has already made the invitation. He's just waiting on you to receive it. He's welcoming you into his kingdom the birds and the flowers, we can live like that. And so many of us just wanna, we stand on the outside like the dog in the collar, afraid to just enter into that space. And that's where Matt was earlier this morning, the guy who got baptized earlier. He said, I, I'm not, I don't wanna live like that anymore. I wanna be free. So he accepted Christ's invitation to become part of his family. Maybe you need to do the same. I wanna introduce you to another word. It's this word, agonia. Agonia. Now, when you look at that word, you probably think agony 
or agonize. You can see the similarities. And this is where we get that word. But when Luke is writing, and he says, Jesus was in such anguish. He doesn't use merimnao. He uses agonia. And when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, he doesn't use merimnao. He uses agonia. And this word actually means to run or to battle or to wrestle. Do you see the difference? How many of you, when you had a panic attack, thought, I should go for a run? No, you think, I should retreat. I should hide. Why? Because I'm in fear. Whereas Agonia said, no, get out and run and race. I'm not much of a, of a runner. Uh, I don't know why you would do it. So when I watch people run, they look like they're in agony, don't they? I'm like, why are you doing that to yourself? But yet what they're doing is training their body and their mind to produce a certain result. Isn't that the true when it comes to our spiritual life? That we should run and embrace and wrestle so that something fruitful can be produced. I'm not so sure it's a physical thing that I have with running. I think it's mental. They say half of the battle is mental. I'll never know. Um, so just let me know if that's true or not. But do you see the difference? Miramnato is fear and, and, and being stuck like the dog in the collar who's afraid to go. And Agonia says, no, no, no. The best way to deal with the things in this life is actually to engage with them to wrestle, to struggle, to battle. And that's what Jesus is doing in the garden. He's not anxious about the cross. He's battling the sin that's gonna put him there. He's not anxious about the trial and the public humiliation. No, he's battling for you and I. He's not anxious about the betrayal he's gonna experience. No, he prays for unity in the midst of division. You see, Jesus is agonizing, not being anxious. So I pose a different question to you today. It's not what is worth worrying about. What's worth agonizing over? And I don't, not fear and panic. What's worth battling? What's worth struggling over? What's worth wrestling for? I think maybe that's the better question because what's worth worrying about? What's worth merimnato? No thing. There's no thing worth being anxious over. But what's worth battling for? That's an entirely different question. And maybe to answer that, I want to bring us to what Jesus says is the greatest commandment. He kind of boils down all of scripture into one statement. We find it in Matthew. Look at it. It says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. What's worth worrying about? No thing in this world. What's worth agonizing over? What's worth battling and fighting for? Our relationship with Christ and others' relationship with Christ. Right? What's worth battling for? What's worth agonizing over? Next slide. Is over our relationship with Christ and others' relationship with him. Everything else will perish. Everything else has an expiration date on it. These two things do not. They last forever. Our relationship with Christ and others' relationships with Christ is the only things that transcend this world. And so if there's gonna be something we battle over, or we fight for, or we wrestle with, it's our relationship with Christ and others' relationship with him. So let me ask, do you agonize over your relationship with Christ? I don't mean panic. I don't mean anxiety. I mean fight and wrestle for it. 
and battle for it? Or do you agonize over your relationship with Christ? Or maybe have you come to settle for a, a cheap sort of Americanized version of Christianity that would say, just come on a Sunday morning, sit, and then leave and do that about once every four weeks and you're probably good. You see the difference. One creates freedom, one creates anxiety. Do you agonize enough over your relationship with Jesus that you will prioritize that over other things in your life? Or do you battle for your faith? Are you wrestling to increase your faith or have you neglected to continue to work out your salvation as as Paul writes? Jesus calls us into a deep abiding relationship with him, not one that is surface level and is just content with where you are today. Do you wrestle to stay connected to Christ, to stay rooted in him? Or are you allowing the things of this world to sever you, to rip you apart from the inside out? Here's one I struggle with. Do you work hard to see the blessings God's given you? Or do you constantly compare your blessings to other people's blessings? Anybody find themselves in that trap? Well, why do those people have this and that? And I only have this. What does that create in you? Anxiety. Because now what do you have to do? I have to take control so that I can make myself look like that. Constant comparison will create anxiety. How about we just live in the blessings that we have, like the birds or the flowers? Do you agonize? Do you battle? Do you wrestle with your relationship with Christ? And do you do that with other people, your neighbors? That could be your spouse, your children, your physical neighbors, and people beyond your reach. I'm a young parent. We've got a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. And the people in, in my circle of influence really seem to have this competitive sports thing that is just waging war in their lives. Now, somebody's going to get mad, and that's okay. It's a good thing. Sports can be a great thing. It can teach kids a lot about life and character and development. But let me ask you. Do you agonize over having your kids in church and connected to Christ as anxious as you are to get them on the ball field at every opportunity you have? One creates life. One creates enslavement. I don't know how many parents I've talked to who really feel more enslaved to their kids' sports than they do in control of their kids' sports. Which do you agonize more over? Do you fight to share the good news of Jesus with others in the world? Or do we get so tunnel vision that all we see is our own kingdoms and we forget that there's a world of people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ that they can be set free from their sin and given a life now and forever in him? Here's one I can struggle with. Have you ever noticed that it seems like people are getting more and more diverse? And I don't mean diversity in the traditional sense. I'm talking about diversity of ideas, diversity of opinions, diversity of lifestyles. We're not all becoming more alike. We're becoming disalike. And I wonder, do we work hard to try to understand people? Or do we just say, you know what? Whatever they're doing is wrong and I don't agree with it. And so what we do is we actually put a hand up against them because I don't really wanna be their brother or sister in Christ. I'm kind of content with the family I've created. And so what we do is we actually just discard people rather than trying to understand them and their story and share the gospel in a way that they can receive it. Some of us just give up, say, well, it's a complicated world. Let's retreat and let's just cuddle together. You see, one is anxiety and one is worth battling and fighting over. Some heavy stuff. When I was writing this, I thought, Lord, golly, you're hurting. 
Like, uh, this is a lot. I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking with you this morning. These are all things that we struggle with regularly. And as I was processing through that, I'm like, Lord, how, what do I do with this? What do I do with these emotions that you've kind of created in me? Am I, am I stuck in Maramnado? Are you stuck in worry and anxiety because you fear the things you can't control? Or do you battle and wrestle and struggle in the areas that God has allowed you to do that alongside him? See, one is enslavement. One is freedom. And so a verse that Paul wrote came to my mind, and this is what I kind of hope is our prayer this morning. I hope you can read through this, and this will be where you want to land in this area this morning. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of, I agonia, that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Here's what I love. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on, I agonia toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. So I don't know where you are in this this spectrum of anxiety and, and agony and where you land in that. I hope, I hope you can begin to let Christ transform your mind so that we can move out of anxiety and into freedom. For some of you, you've been traveling with Jesus for a long time. Right? You may have been following Jesus for decades, but you might actually say it's been more painful than joyful. That there's like this pebble in your shoe and it's like, I'm, I'm walking with Jesus, but man, does something just keep popping up in my life that is just a rock in my shoe. It just annoys me. Sometimes around here, we call that a stronghold. There's just something that continually pops up in your life that you wish you could just deal with. Could I encourage you to deal with that? To confess that to God and to someone else? Not to continue walking painful with Jesus until your death, but to confess the things that you struggle with, to confess that stronghold so that it can be hopefully removed from your life and you can follow Jesus in joy. I hope you'll do that. For those of you who are new to this, this new concept, for me to say give up control and surrender sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? The world would say, no, 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 no. If you want to achieve, you control. Christ would say, no, no. Those who die gain. To surrender seems like the wrong choice, but it's what really leads to freedom because God's already in control. That's what Jesus says. See, I've created all things, the birds and the flowers. I'm, I'm owner of it all. Don't take my job from me. Let me, let me help you. So if you're new at this and, and there's something you need to surrender, I hope you're like Matt and don't, don't just discard it. Some of us are like, well, those were cool words. I hope Chili's is open. You're already starting to think about lunch. Oh, that was neat. Okay, see you four weeks from now. I hope you wrestle with it. I hope it creates a little agony in your spirit. Not, not fear, not anxiety, but a wrestling, a battle within you that, that you have to do something with what Christ says about not worrying. And so if you wanna make a decision to surrender today, 
You can stop at the Next Steps area and we'll talk with you through that like we did with Matt. But on October 22nd, we're gonna have an open call for baptism. God's on the move. If, if you watch the news, you would think you would think he's not. But if you really discern, God's on the move. So we're gonna just invite people that day just to surrender. We're praying that lots of people would do that. And so maybe you wanna make a decision, but you got questions. You're like, I need answers. I'm like, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? Ask those questions between now and October 22nd so that maybe you will be ready when that day comes that you could surrender to Christ. We have a, a spot for you called Starting Point. Go to the Next Steps area and say, uh, Mark said something about Starting Point. Tell me more about it. And they'll tell you how to get there and what it is, but that's a place you could go and ask your questions and be honest. And we'll do our best to guide you in a decision that you need to make. But I can think of no better way to kind of finish our time together this morning than with communion. So on your way in, you receive your communion items. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus thought I was agonizing over. I'm glad he thought you and I were worth agonizing over, to fight for, to battle for, to ultimately die for, and to be victorious for. And so we're gonna take time and just remember the fact that the gospel is real, that we were once sinners, and that while we, will, while we were still sinners, while we were stuck in the Maranao in our lives, Jesus stepped into that and offers us freedom and has offered the invitation. We have to step into it. So for those of us who follow Christ, this is a moment that we just pause and reflect and remember his sacrifice. Remember that he agonized over us and that our call is to share that with everyone that we know. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you thought we were worth agonizing over. You lived in perfection and then you came to this earth and you lived among us and you taught us how to live in your kingdom. Forgive us for when we have tried to take control of things in our lives that we just cannot possibly control. Help us to live in the freedom that you conquered for us on the cross and in the tomb. We don't have to live like dogs on a collar. We can live like birds of the air and flowers of the field. We can live in freedom now and then ultimately forever with you. So thank you for making all that possible with your death on the cross and ultimately your resurrection from the tomb. Be with us as we think about what we need to do with what you've said. I pray we don't worry about it. If someone leaves here feeling worried about what they heard, I pray they stop and talk to somebody. So God, be with us as we share in this meal together. It's in your name we pray. Amen.